Welcome to the Daring Mighty Things podcast, a show about the dreamers and the doers at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, also known as JPL. In every episode, we try to give you a behind-the-scenes look at the lives and journeys of the folks working on unique missions in support of humanity's need to explore the universe and the stars. I'm your host, Patricia Lenny. And I'm your other host, Lainey James. And before we get started, we want to take a moment to remind you to follow us at NASA JPL Careers on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you're ready to dare mighty things with us, check out our open opportunities at jpl.jobs. Cars on Mars. Meet Emma Kalajian. Building robots to explore our solar systems and beyond is great. But what about the humans? Today, we are joined by Emma Kalajian, a human-centered designer here at JPL whose team focuses on creating the user interfaces to support the humans building and driving the robots. She believes in creating better and more beautiful interfaces to access the various systems across JPL. Emma is a graduate of California State Polytechnic University, Pomona, with a bachelor's degree in computer information systems. In 2021, Emma was named to the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. Outside of the lab, she is all about cars, investing her time and sharing her expertise with the Los Angeles car community to, as she says, evaluate the true driving experience of a car down to a science. Welcome, Emma. Hi, guys. Thank you both so much for having me. This is really exciting. And so um, let's get into it. So I'm really uh, excited, as Patricia said, to talk to you about your career here at JPL. And so you're a UX designer. What does that mean? What, what is it that you do here? We like to picture, you know, that office space meme. What would you say so you, you do, do here? Right. <laughs> so if you know, for our listeners, if you know, you know. So this is a really good question for a lot of reasons. Um, I feel like the field of user experience design is, there's kind of a big cloud of a question in general of what's the difference between UX and UI? Aren't they kind of the same? Um, so first answer is no, they're not the same. Um, and so I'll just give the little brief breakdown. So my official title is user interface designer, right? So technically UI. Um, so basically the difference, the way I kind of like to describe it is if you were, let's say you had a completely empty plot of land, right? And you have the developers, you have the contractors, the architects, whoever. Um, the user experience designer is in charge of planning out the neighborhood, right? How are the streets going to be connected? How many houses can we fit? What's the optimal way to lay everything out so that we have the optimal number of houses and things like that? So the overall experience, right? Whereas the user interface designer, once all the houses might be sort of primarily architected at that point, the user interface designer comes in and says, okay, great. Now let's look at the fine details of each and every house and how do those fine details come together. Um, and so since the user experience community on lab is still growing, even though my title is UI, I do also a lot of UX as well. What does your day-to-day -day look like then? If, if you like what, you come in and what do you work on? Yeah, that's a really good question too. So I feel like at JPL, there's kind of and I could be wrong, but I feel like there's kind of two categories, right? Either you're a designer that's on a very specific flight project, right? So you are the Europa Clipper UX designer, and you're 100% on that project, and that's it. Um, or you might be someone who's not on a specific flight project, but then you'll be, uh, you know, 30% on a few different projects. And so that's more what I do, right? So I kind of bop around. So there are some days where I'm doing 
uh, business applications where I'm designing. All of them are web applications, right? But some of them will be applications for specifically the business side. Uh, sometimes there'll be enterprise applications for the engineering side. Um, so basically everything that I do is all internal, right? So all of the dozens and dozens of applications that we have on the inside just to get everything running in-house from like safety inspection to acquisition to accounting, like anything that touches the inside of the lab. Um, those are the apps that I design and research and work on. I was going to ask that question before we started recording. I kind of said, I've been here for three years now, and I always hear the term EVIS yeah. as sort of this, you know, department that does a lot of business functions, but I never quite, and you've mentioned that name before, but I never quite knew exactly. Like what they do. What do you do as, you know, as a, as a UX or UI designer for EVIS? But it sounds like you essentially design the look and feel of what the applications that some of the employees are using to facilitate their work. Is that right? Yeah, that's definitely part of it. Definitely part of it. Um, I would say even before the design is all the research, right? So you do a lot of user research, kind of just figuring out, really nailing down what is the problem space that we're trying to solve to the point where you come up with almost like a bullet list of here's problem A, problem B, problem C. So then you say, okay, great. What's solution ABC? Right. And then you at that point pretty much just have a checklist of like, all right, now I know exactly what I need to design. Right. Because these are the problems that we're going to solve. This is how we're going to solve it. Then you design it, build it, launch it. There you go. And would you say that that's what percentage of the, the project, all of that sort of pre-work before you even get to sort of how do we make things look good? Is that 75 percent? Yeah. A lot of it is very research heavy. Like right. the thing I like with UX is so much of what goes into it is very, very unseen, and that means you're, you're doing it right, right? So, like, for example, um, there are defi there's definitely times where if I'm designing an interface, let's say, um, you know, I'll implement something like the golden ratio, right, like a, a design principle that kind of just says, um, you know, if you're designing something, you, know, you want to constraint the space and you want to play with things in a certain way so that the information is the most prominent, you know, depending on what you're trying to make a point with, right? Um, so for example, like the golden ratio, I'm not outright saying anywhere in the app, hey, by the way, we're using the golden ratio so that you pay the most attention to this one big text box right over here on the top right. Okay. I'm not a designer and, <laughs> and I'm not an engineer. Emma, what is the golden ratio? Oh. That, that the, 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 um, you know, tell me like I'm a kid in our kindergartner, five, whatever. How, how do you explain the golden ratio? Explain it like we're five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I... I hope I'm sort of paraphrasing this accurately, but basically the golden ratio from what I recall learning about it is basically just talking about proportions, right? So like uh -huh. visually, what is the right proportion or what is the right way to have a proportion on something so that when we're intaking that information, it's it not only makes sense, but it's also uh, like very aesthetically pleasing. And seamless, right? So to your point, if we notice something about a website that you have to click here or that, oh, I had to scroll all the way down, then we haven't, then then you would say that's not successful UI or UX, right? Because it's supposed to be seamless. You're supposed to be able to achieve your action. Um, Emma, has uh, 
you know, you've talked about, we've talked about some of the business apps and stuff that you work on. Um, do you have any examples that kind of, you know, that are, you know, EBIS, that's a, um, that's really, we love our acronyms at, at JPL. Real quickly, just so that they know what we're talking about. What does EBIS stand for? Ah, yes. So EBIS stands for Enterprise Business Information Services. Man, I almost had it. I was going to say systems, but <laughs> I, u- I use that uh, every day, and um, I just know it, it's the place I go to go to to take care of some, you know, daily administrative stuff. So, uh, also, um, have you worked on a, an app here that's really popular? Is the parking app? Have you worked on the parking app? You know what? So that was one of the first projects I sort of got to dip my toes in the water with as, as a designer. One oh. of the very first ones I got to do was for protective services, you know, sort of, uh, I didn't, I didn't get to fully finish out that project with that team in particular. Cause I had to sort of, when you're one of only two designers in your division, you kind of hop around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much like a chicken with its head cut off, but I digress. <laughs> but that's honestly what keeps it fun for me. Like I have such a, I feel like I have the attention span of a goldfish sometimes. Right. And so for me, like I prefer that. I prefer that sort of uh, that kind of consistent engagement, right? So that you mentioned that that app was an app that you worked on when you were uh, an intern. But what has been a really, really cool project that kind of to this day, either a recent project that really stands out in your mind, like, wow, you really like how that turned out. And a lot of people use it on lab and I've gotten a lot of you know positive feedback on it. Yeah. So, you know, there's one project in particular that is kind of my, honestly, my child. Um, I'm really, really proud of it. I'm really excited I got to do it. So basically, um, when you look at your iPhone, when you look at your car, any sort of digital product, you'll notice that there's a very consistent set of patterns to it, right? Everything kind of makes sense. There's a certain way the colors are. There's a certain way things are kind of lined up, right? And that's all done very intentionally. That's usually because these products fall under what's called a design system. So what is a design system, right? Um, basically, a design system is a set of principles. So everything from color and shading and um, typography, right, all the way to the technical specs of it, depending on, you know, how technical that product is. And so basically, it's it's a really, really efficient thing because it it creates such a level of streamlining across all of your projects, right? And so it's it's kind of like creating this common core. So then, you know, for example when there's only two designers, um, you know, the level of effort then is no longer rebuilding the wheel from scratch. Correct. Yeah. You don't have to invest every single time somebody asks for a redesign of their interface. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Okay. What does a button look like? Does it have little square edges? Does it, what does the text look like? Exactly. That's, right. Um, other than the, the technical aspect and what gets you jazzed about it, and your experience in, in doing that, like you're presented with this problem outside of the technical, like what gets you excited about it? Yeah. So, you know, I think that this actually really ties into, you know, when I was growing up, my parents are sort of two very polar opposites, right? And I feel like that's kind of how it goes, like opposites attract. Oh, yeah, for sure. My parents, totally different people. Right. And you kind of look at them and you're like, how did? And yet here, you know, and here they are like, you know, 40 years later. Oh. And yeah, but absolutely the same thing. My mom is, you know, free, likes to travel, doesn't like to plan. My dad is, well, this is this time and we have to do this and we have to go there. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Exactly. And it balances out, right? So, like, my mom, a very creative, brilliant, brilliant piano player. You know, she's she's about as artsy as they come. 
And then my dad, total opposite. He's a civil engineer slash forensic accountant. Um, right. So I didn't get away with anything growing up. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. There's, yeah, no, there's just... no grabbing a 20 out of anybody's wallet. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I grew up with two very strong-minded people with very polar polar opposite influences and very different ideas for sort of what uh, what they sort of envisioned a successful life for their daughter to be like. And so as a, as a result of that, you know, I feel like I got exposed to as much musical theater as I did to like robotics and, and STEM camps, right? Which was really actually kind of brilliant on my parents' part, so props to them. Um, and so like because of that, I sort of just had this dichotomy of, of interest growing up, right? And so I was always very creative, but then I was also technical at the same time. So, like, one example I could give is when I was in seventh grade when MySpace was – I'm totally dating myself – but, like, when MySpace was huge. Mas- MySpace had a moment. Okay. So oh, yeah. I, let's Listen, nod. Tom will always be one of my top ten friends. He was your, fe- he was your first friend. He was our first friend. We can't forget that. Um, so, yeah, when I was in seventh grade and we had – MySpace was really big at my middle school. I used to, like, code up custom layouts for, like, my classmates and, you know, charge them, like, 20 bucks or something like that. Um <laughs> Wow. Entrepreneur? Entrepreneur? So now that makes sense. Now the story that you said about that your your kind of your child here of projects was creating the style guide because you essentially you took the creative, you worked through the creative, but then you created a system yep. for how to interpret the creative. So that, that makes perfect sense. Listen, the MySpace top eight, you know, the the playlist, the little custom wallpapers, like that's that was you it. You could put music to it. And then like if you fell off of your friends, like top eight, you oh, know, so drama. Oh my gosh. Drama. <laughs> There's so so much drama, which, you know, that really leads us um, into what our, our uh, section that we like to call the EDL. So we like to ask our guests about their own personal EDL to JPL. And for our listeners out there who are unfamiliar with the term EDL, it stands for Entry, Descent, and Landing of a Spacecraft as we land on another planet. So missions work for years on this part, and this is where we know you fail or succeed your landing of a spacecraft. So we'd like to chat with you about your personal EDL, and you've already kind of talked about it, your EDL into the the area of design was, you know, hustling your friends for 20 bucks for MySpace design. So <laughs> how did how did you like, and then how did you go on to, to pursue that? Because we know you're doing it here. So like, what was next after, you know, the, the MySpace um, era empire that you... <laughs> That you established at your high school. I think we're getting a little carried away there. (laughs) (laughs) Like a a 13-year-old. A 13-year-old empire. Oh, my gosh. I mean. Oh, well, see, now I'm even more impressed. I was like. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, and also, too, I also want to credit, you know, the the first iPhone coming out, right? That was, oh, my gosh. I went nuts for the first iPhone. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. I made a PowerPoint presentation for my parents on, like, why a 13-year-old, not wants, needs an iPhone. (laughs) Needs one. And then you presented it after dinner. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because like what? A seventh grader needs the calendar to know like when she's doing nothing at four Mm o'clock, right? And so so I presented that to my parents. And honestly, my dad was so jazzed with it. He was like, no, you know what? Like that actually merits a trip to the AT&T store. We can go look. Let's just go look, right? Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, I'm just kind of like playing with it. And then – so we're at the store. I'm kind of playing with the display model. And my dad is kind of like joking around with the sales guy. And it's like, oh, yeah, our daughter literally made a PowerPoint. So like I figured it's fair to like take her and see it. And he goes, well, that's interesting, actually. Can I get a copy of that? Because if if my boss likes it and we can have a copy of this, we'll give you guys like 20 percent off the phone if you want it. And so that's 
that was actually how I got my first iPhone, which was really cool. So you actually did succeed. I did. PowerPoint wow. got you got you an iPhone with a twenty percent discount. Which... You know. <laughs> So moral of the story, kids, always make your PowerPoints. Oh, always make your PowerPoints. Well, JPLers love their PowerPoints. I had never used PowerPoint as much as when I started working at JPL. So No, for real. A, a, a skill that serves JPLers well to be really adept with PowerPoint. No, seriously. Going back to Lainey's question earlier, so other than the, the MySpace empire, what classes did you take in high school or college that, again, started you on that path of applying, right, those creative skills to this field? Yeah. So it was a really, really sort of big cloud of figuring out what I wanted to do at, you know, 14, 15, which I feel like for everybody, that's kind of how it starts, right? You'll have like five or 10 different ideas. I remember at one point I thought I wanted to be a geneticist um, because I love genetics. Like I loved Punnett squares and like in my bio class, like bio was one of my favorite subjects. Um, But then I realized I think I'm a little too – I really like talking, like, a lot. And I feel like in a lab environment, that's probably not conducive. So (laughs) – We'll have to ask somebody in in another lab environment. We'll have to ask, right? Because I just – I feel like I just – I love talking and I'm very colorful and I love designing. And so I kind of realized, like, maybe genetics isn't what I want to do for, like, a full-time thing, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just, like – maybe that's just a topic that I like. so, okay, so always had that creative streak. Always, always loved cars, again, as just like a, a mm-hmm. hobby and just like a passion. And so when I was in high school, one of my best friends at the time, um, her mom worked in advertising. So she did all of the, like, the big, cool Super Bowl, like Audi, Nissan, Infinity commercials, wow. right? Oh, yeah. I mean, her job was like pretty, pretty, pretty stellar. And so I remember just being like 15 and like, kind of shadowing her, right? And so she's, you know, she's running the show and they've got these big blocks of downtown LA, like rented off. And you just see these camera crews like filming these like fast cars down the street, right? So I saw that image and was like, yes, all of this, yes, that's that's what I want to do. Um, so at first when I was in high school and then uh, like early years of college, like freshman, sophomore year, um, I thought I really wanted to do advertising. So I started off at Cal Poly Pomona as a communications major. So started studying advertising with this kind of like very direct focus of like advertising, car commercials, that's it. And so then I started actually getting into the classes and they were okay, but it just, there wasn't, I didn't have the spark there that I thought I was going to get, you know? And so I was talking to Amanda's mom about it later and I was like, I don't understand. Like, I thought this is really what I wanted to do. Like, I'm confused. And, you know, I'm really, I'm so grateful that we had this conversation because she really sat down with me and was like, okay, let's think about this. Is it the advertising that you like and the day-to-day of like working in an ad agency or is it the cars that you like? And I was like, well, it's really the cars. And she was like, okay, well, I have some news for you. You know, I just got this job maybe two or three years ago. And for the last 20 years before that, I was doing like toothpaste and like, you know, dog chow commercials, right? So you don't really get to pick your product. And so if you're okay with that, then definitely stick with advertising if that's really what you want to do. But if it's if you're only doing this because it's the cars that you like, maybe you figure mm-hmm. out the industry, but maybe just not what you want to do with it yet, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of like, shoot, okay. Wow. B- bubble burst. Yeah, but it was also like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like bubble burst, but I'm so glad it burst right. then. Yeah, yeah, no, no. But it's not a bad thing. And I think that's also a message I want to drive home to 
you know, anyone who's listening who might be at, you know, internship stage in their life, it's okay. If you have an internship and you come home from that and you're like, wow, that was not what I thought I would like at all. Right. That's okay. Or a class in college. Maybe you thought your entire life you wanted to do one thing and then you take a couple classes and you're like, wow, this isn't really resonating or it's not quite what gets me excited. Yeah. It's okay to pivot. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that is to your to what both of you have said is an important point for students and interns and anyone or returnships. If you want to try out a career, those things are important. You find out that oh, I love this, or maybe no, I need to you know pivot in a different direction. And it's really important that you you call that out to students. So was there a class in college that gave you that kind of spark and you're like, hmm, or was it when you got to JPL that all of a sudden you were more interested in the UX design world? So it was definitely an internship. Um, So let's see, about summer 2016, I was still a marketing major at this point. So I had switched from communications to marketing, which I still kind of feel like was like mostly the same, right? Still the same, uh, still the same end goal. So I had this digital marketing internship at a local uh, electric vehicle startup. Uh, they're down in Southern California, not too far from my house. Um, really, really fascinating company. But so, you know, started off doing the marketing there. And again, like I just kind of felt... Felt a little lackluster, kind of Mm. felt like I liked it, but this isn't what I want to commit to, right? And so um, I was talking to, you know, my my boss at my internship, and he's like, you know, how's it going? How are you feeling about things? And so, you know, I told him. And he was like, okay, tell you what, let's take a walk, and I'm going to introduce you to, like, all the other groups that we have here. And so, again, this is a car company, right? So some of them are very specific, right? So there's, like, CMF, which is uh, colors, materials, and Mm. fabrics or finishes, right? That's like hardcore design, uh, which is really, really fun. I love what they do. Uh, You know, he introduced me to like accounting and engineering and, you know, all of those kind of uh, companies or those groups that you'd see. Mm -hmm. And then... That um, all companies have. Right. Right. That sometimes folks look at organizations and say, oh, they only do rockets or they only do space exploration, but there's all these supporting businesses. Right. 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 Exactly. Um, And so then I remember we're on the top floor and it's a very open concept, open layout workspace, right? So it's like there's tons of desks everywhere. But then there's this glass hypercube in the middle of the floor. And it's very, um, it, it just was so stylish, right? You see this group of people, most of them are wearing all black. They all have very cool glasses with like different personality to them. You know, one, one lady had purple hair. You see someone doing sticky notes on the glass and then another person in the corner who's like coding something. And I was like, hmm. What's that? <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> and so uh, my manager, he sort of was like, yeah, I had a feeling she'd like that one. Well, I like anything with sticky notes personally, but oh, yeah. what, I'm dying to know <laughs> what, what group was this. So that was the UX group. Nice. Right. Okay. And so and like that's something I love about UX is there's, you know, everything from sticky notes to Photoshop to to development. Right. There's so much that gotcha. goes into it. And so I was like, ooh, like, what is that group? And he was like, oh, that's the user experience team. You want to go meet them? And I was like, yes. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So did you ever go back to college and take a class or then you just went straight into kind of finding out about this JPL opportunity? So yeah. So at that point in time, I was just hitting junior year of college. And so I was in college for five years. So incoming to my third at this Mm -hmm. point, right? Um, So at the end of the internship, I sort of, I was kind of peering over the UX team's shoulder 
for that whole internship, mm -hmm. right? And so I kind of was just asking them questions of like, what sort of majors do you guys look for? And what classes should I take? And they were honestly so helpful. They'd like sat down with me. I went through the, ma the majors that my school had and they mm -hmm. were like, okay, one, two, three, like any of these would, would be great. So I was like, done. Uh, so I came back to, back to school in the fall and then I changed my major to computer information systems. Uh, I did not really know much about development. I knew, you know, like the MySpace, HTML, CSS stuff, right? Um, I did not know Java. I didn't know SQL. I didn't know backend. I didn't know what backend meant. I didn't know what Boolean meant, you know? Um, so CIS was sort of this hybrid of business and computer science. Um, and let me tell you, it was, it was a pretty tough major for me, but I'm so, so glad I did it. Um, and so pretty much all the courses in that is pretty much what. Gotcha. Yeah. Kind well, of so you did there. switch majors. So there was a point where you kind of switch majors. Mm -hmm. Got it. And so from that, like, why JPL? Like, what, what made the, the translation from, I love cars, I love UX, but I'm going to go work at this place that builds robotic spacecraft. And this, I would say, was what we would consider your descent part of the of your EDL. Right. Like, where's the connect? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I literally had a spreadsheet, and I remember it was like, I got like 60, like, rejection letters or something. And I was like, seriously? Wow. Like, I worked my, my butt off, you know? So... Um, I went to our school's career fair, just kind of walking around and sort of just seeing, you know, all the different, you know, other companies that are there. And then I was printing out my resume and I was just talking to, you know, this woman in line with me and we're just, you know, chatting. And um, she kind of mentions, you know, oh, by the way, I'm here recruiting. Um, you know, we have an info session coming up in 20 minutes. Here's my card. Let me know if you're interested or if you have any mm -hmm. questions. And so I look at the card and it says JPL. And I was like, oh, shoot. So had you heard about JPL before that moment? Oh, of course. Okay. Oh, my gosh, of course. But, you know, honestly. Well, yeah. Well, no, I, was, I was telling a story yesterday that I heard about JPL when I watched The Martian. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to be so, fair, my dad's an engineer, so maybe that's dad, why. Dad, I got it. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. So what was your awareness of JPL so that when you saw him, you're like, oh, wait a second. Yeah. So I know about JPL because, again, my dad's an engineer. But JPL is a, for sure a household name in my opinion. But, um, you know, so I, saw, so I saw that and I was like, I didn't even think JPL recruited college students, to be honest with you. Because I just, the image I had in my head was like, you need to have a PhD. Right. Mm -hmm. At least 10 years of experience. And you shouldn't even bother if you don't have like a 5.0 GPA. Right. That's not true. Oh, well, yeah. I don't think they have 5.0 GPAs, right. but I, I get your point. You're like, it has to be, you have to be, you know, you know, genius, you know. Or like yeah. astrophysics. Right. You know, something that those... Uh, that a lot of people that intimidate a lot of people. Yeah, right, we get it. Right. And so and, you know, I think there's I mean, honestly, I was fighting so much imposter syndrome at that time, too. Yeah. You know, there was a big part of me that was like, OK, well, my major was in the business school. Like what? No pun intended. What business does NASA have needing a business major? Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the truth is we have people from pretty much every background here. And right. I just don't think that's like prominently known. Um, and internships, too. There yeah. are internships. I mean, it's how you started in the business office. JPL has graphic design internships, totally. uh, web development internships. So it's not just the mechanical side. Finance, everything. They've got everything that 
any business, whether it's industry, nonprofit, government, you know, all of those things, business still, those majors are important to make an organization function. So you land at JPL, Emma, and you were part of this pretty unique program at the time that allowed interns to get experience in various areas. Talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So we go to this info session. I learn about uh, this, what's called a 2X rotation program. So what is 2X, right? So at JPL, we kind of have these different organizations. Um, I kind of like to think of them as like Harry Potter houses, but except (laughs) there's not four of them, there's nine. Um, So we've got 1X all the way through 9X. And each of these, you know, quote unquote houses, if you will, sort of have a different area of expertise, right? And so 2X is all the business ops. So I was applying for this 2X business directorate rotation program. Uh, So what does that mean? Well, so basically this was a program that right when you get out of college, um, they would take anywhere from four people to eight people every year. And these, you know, postgraduate, uh, postgraduate folks would spend some time about a month in each of the different groups learning about accounting, project management, business IT, you know, all of the different functions within the org. And then at the end of the program, they say, okay, great. You know, which one of these orgs would you really like to be in? And it's kind of almost like speed dating at that point because you'll say, Mm -hmm. I want to be in, you know, one, two or three. And then they'll come back to those groups and see, like, if there's a mutual fit. Like I wasn't really feeling for. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You know, okay. it, it's almost like a, a mutual selection process. I, get I also it. want to know totally. if the directorates should be made to take the Harry Potter. What oh, house yeah. so, are you in quiz? I mean, I'm going to go ahead cool. and ask what what house is 2X? Is it oh. a Hufflepuff? I'm, I'm, so you why did you go to Hufflepuff right away? I mean, <laughs> I mean. I mean, I will say, like, I know this is kind of polarizing. I do know that me personally, I've taken those Harry Potter quizzes mm-hmm. and like I always get Slytherin. So, yeah. oh. You're like, oh, she's one of those. For our audience. No, I think Patricia's I get that nodding too. her head. Chances like, like she's, uh, I think, no, I, I'm nodding my head because I think I usually get that too. <laughs> oh, well, that, that's probably true. <laughs> I can our, argue. My <laughs> audience is like, immediately no. Lainey said one time, what did you say one time that I, I, I in the Star Wars, in Star Wars universe, oh, I was, you, you'd be the Empire. I would be the Empire. <laughs> no, no question. Yeah, I don't know it. if I should, t- I don't know if I should uh, take that, be concerned it's, about that. It's, I think, uh, it's because you probably want a red lightsaber. I, I take it I as a do. compliment. Listen, yeah. Darth, I Vader, want Darth Vader's my homie. Is Look. that is the red one what you'd go for? Because that's what I'd go for. Is it? Does it matter? <laughs> is it more powerful than the other one? I just like no, the color. No, uh, it is just a color. I mean, w- I won't get into the geek geekiness of why uh, lightsaber. Some lightsabers are red, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that's another podcast. That's another podcast. That's yeah. another. That's, that's another really podcast. Up. That's not. I mean, those conversations do happen at JPL, but uh, we we won't get into it on the podcast. So uh, now you're here at JPL. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm here at JPL. Um, we are in House Two X. House Two X. Right. So um, was so, so excited to say, oh, my gosh, my first job out of college is at JPL and NASA. This is yeah. wild. Um, so, you know, started here on my first day. I felt like I was walking around Disneyland, and it kind of is. It's like scientific Disneyland. I think so. And as I'm sure you guys know, I'm very one-track-minded sometimes. And so, you know, I came into this day one being like, user experience, that's it for me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I spent the six months in the program. Um, and so, you know, towards the end of the program, they usually say, okay, great, you know, list your top three, blah, blah, blah. And um, so at this point in time, our senior designer, he had just started 
on board as a full-time senior designer right as I was just starting the rotation program, right? And so he and I sort of met, you know, we uh, really clicked from the design standpoint. We got along just as coworkers, right? And so, you know, at the end of the program, um, you know, they sort of asked, you know, okay, like, do you want to do accounting? Do you want to do project management? I was like, user experience. And they're like, okay, well, like, we just hired the senior person. So like, you know, I think it was one of those things where it was sort of like, it wasn't formally offered, but let's have a conversation and kind of see how it goes, right? Um, and so, you know, long story short, got the feedback one day of like, you know what, we thought about it and like, let's give her a shot. Mm -hmm. You know, let's, let's go ahead and give her this, you know, UX designer position. We can't just have one designer through all of 2X, mm -hmm. right? Like that's pure chaos. So let's have two and it's like half chaos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and it's just been the most fabulous thing. Tell us a little bit about um, the JPL community and what has been something about the JPL community or, you know, being a part of it that on top of your technical work, day-to-day -day work that has also made you feel like this place is a place for you. Well, you know, I have to say everyone I've met that works here is just, they're so kind. Like truly, people here are just, they're very open. They love sharing what they do. They love talking about what they do. You know, it's a very, it's a very, just like calm, very nice atmosphere, which is really nice. You know, when I was in college, I was very chaotic. I was doing 9 million things at once. I was also an RA, resident advisor, like while I was doing all my other stuff. Um, and so, you know, it comes somewhere where the environment's a little more like laid back and everyone's a little more open to talking about what they do. Like there isn't this, you know, New Yorker vibe, right? Where everyone's rushing and, you know, no one has time to talk and we have to, you know, this, this and that. But like, at least, at least from my side of the house, People that I've met for the most part have just been great. Um, so, you know, I've, I've made lots of friends, you know, even when I first started out here. How had, how, being here at the lab, how did you connect with other people at the lab? What, what were some of the ways you did that? I mean, you're in 2X, you're part of this new user experience group that, that is starting to, to form. Like, how did you connect with people? a good question. I think, uh, so made a lot of friends through our digital messenger that we have, uh, connecting over mutual interest groups. Honestly, a lot of it too was just kind of taking a walk to the coffee cart and kind of chatting right. with the person in line. Sometimes you just run into folks in the cafeteria, in line at the cafeteria. Exactly. Next thing you know, you're in line next to the project manager for this big mission. Who's like, do you want to come over for tea and all? Yeah. Do you want to show you all my cool Star Wars yeah. stuff? Yeah. I feel like everyone here is always wanting to give you a tour of the, of what the area. On. I went to to lunch with someone the other day and afterwards they were like, oh, you want to check out the robotic stuff that we're working on? And just That's what I mean. And did you say yes? Yeah, of course. Can you did imagine? You you're go? like, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a meeting at 2.30. I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> I did have a meeting at 2.30, but I still went. <laughs> but I was oh, going to say, but I'll I, be late. I'll be late to a meeting anytime. So I've always found that folks here are super proud of the work that they're doing. And they don't want to keep it to themselves. They want yeah. to share it with others, even if it's folks that aren't in that particular area of expertise. And the amount of passion that comes out in the way they talk about what they're working on. And it can be something really niche that, you know, folks outside of that group are not going to understand the intricacies. But there's just so much passion. There's no way to hide that. And it's one of the things that I, I, I personally love about working at JPL. So 100%. And I think... You said it really well. I think that's what I was trying to say is, you know, people love, 
it's like show and tell. You know, people love showcasing the things that they're working on, and this is my passion, and this is the big project I'm doing. I feel like, you know, in, in other industries or in other places, people are a lot more guarded and a lot more closed off. And, you know, well, you have to, you know, I don't, I don't know this person. Like, why would I show you this, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, here it's just sort of, you know, hi, person I met in line at the coffee cart. Oh, you like astrophysics? Great. Or you like UX design? Great. Come to my desk. Let me show you what I'm doing. Right. And you like just... Legos? Come to my desk. I'll show you my giant rocket Lego that a certain producer of ours has on her desk. Yeah. Oh, I want to see. <laughs> there are. There are there are a lot of of uh, building blocks and space toys um, all all around the lab. So w- being proud, you know, of their work and sharing that. And, you, and what are you most proud of, of, of what you've worked on? Not, you know, just what are you proud of that you're like, hey, I did that? Definitely the design system that yeah. I worked on. Um, and, you know, so so I'll just, I'll dive into that a little bit. So the design system we have is called Proxima. Uh, it's named after, you know, Proxima Centauri, one of the constellations. And um, I mean, truly, truly, that was that was a time where from the design standpoint and from the technical standpoint, I really had the opportunity to just kind of take the reins on this and, you know, okay, Emma, this is your project. You're going to take initiative and basically figure it out, right? And so I remember we did probably just a straight year. So what what is Proxima? You said it's a design system. Is it for what? What does it do? Sure. So Proxima, our design system, basically it's a digital design system. Right. So um, any digital product is going to have some form of guidance, right? What are the design principles and how do we make this thing so that it's visually and technically in alignment with all the other products. It's that standardization. Here's what to expect, right? So um, at the time, we didn't have that. So all of our apps were being designed totally from scratch every single time. And, you know, most applications have a lot of components that are the same. So, like, we all have a header. We all have a footer. We all have, like, a login screen, right? So, you know, just from the efficiency standpoint, having something that's like, oh, you need a login screen? Done. Need a header? Done. You want the user to have to relearn every time they go to an application here on lab or anywhere. You don't want the user to have to spend a lot of time relearning how to navigate that application. So the most right. the most we can make the applications look like they're related to one system, the best the user experience, right? Right. And the developer experience, too. You know, I feel like um, you also don't want to have the developer spending, you know, X amount of hours rebuilding the same header, True. but the buttons are in different spots because this is a different developer building at this time. You know, just those little, little things like that, right? Um, So I remember we spent about a year just doing design research, right? So not even designing yet. Um, Pretty much to the point where I started taking classes at Art Center, College of Design over here in Pasadena. I took one class that was literally just all about shading environments and lighting for, you know, like the 3D environment, right? But I wanted to take that and apply that into the design system because I wanted it to have this kind of sort of neomorphic, like 3D kind of feel. I wanted the applications to have, you know, a lot of life to them and as much 3D accuracy as you could get in a 2D environment. Um, You know, and so just to have that level of, you know, of how meticulous I wanted to be with it. Um, And, you know, being able to take a course that through our tuition reimbursement program was able to just cover me taking it, right? right? Which was also super helpful. Um, Word of the day that I'm going to look up afterwards is neomorphic. <laughs> neomorphic. <laughs> Something yeah. out of the matrix. So Emma, let's talk a little bit about the work that you do outside of JPL or some of the interests that you have outside of JPL. I think we've talked about this in the past about how 
building community at JPL goes in, in building ourselves as professionals and doing things that are aligned with our interests are a huge part of JPLers' experience. So talk to us a little bit about the things that you're doing in your, in your free time. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that was really interesting with the pandemic and everybody working from home is, you know, you have a lot more time back in your day, right? And so when the pandemic first started and I was working uh, primarily from home, a lot more thinking time, right? And so one of the days, I think it was probably summer of 2020, so not too far into it, right? This thought kind of occurred to me, which was sort of like, wow, I have the most amazing job. I have this great apartment. I have all these great friends. Why do I feel like something is still missing? And, you know, one day it kind of came full circle to me, which was, you know, there's still this whole big passion in my life that I haven't reincorporated yet, which was all the car stuff. So, you know, growing up, I was always into cars. I love the design of them. I love learning how they work. Um, and, you know, my parents aren't into cars or anything like that. So my dad wasn't He's not really the type to, he wasn't the gearhead to kind of show me those sorts of things. Um, you know, honestly, my parents are more the type of if something's not working, we'll just hire the expert to fix it, right? Same. More power to them, right? <laughs> um, but so, you know, I felt very much like I was starting from square one when I first got involved in that space, which was probably around high school. And, you know, I made a lot of friends in this space, but they were all muscle car guys and maybe their girlfriends. There wasn't really a lot of female representation. And I think largely, I think that's just because it's such an intimidating space for women. Truly, you know, I feel like the experience for the most part seems to be if you're a guy who comes into the space and maybe you don't know how this one thing works or maybe you kind of know how it works. If you get it wrong, the assumption is still sort of, oh, that's fine. Like, you know, he he pretty much gets it. Whereas as a woman coming into it, my experience, at least for me personally, I feel like you don't have that same default assumption. It's more sort of, um, she probably doesn't know anything, but if she does know something, that's huge. That's a really low bar. And so that's kind of what I wanna change in that space is you know, you can be someone who's very feminine, who isn't some car guy's girlfriend, right? Who, who loves the space and maybe doesn't know everything about it because it's such a huge topic, right? And she's taken seriously and I think that's the caveat, right? So my experience when I was first starting off is I just felt like I had to fight so hard to be taken seriously, right? And so I felt when I was in the automotive side, there were times when I kind of, I don't want to say sacrifice my femininity, but I definitely kind of toned it down. And then I would speak a little louder in meetings and try to make a point, and then I was taken seriously, right? And so I kind of wanted to start a media company that is educational, but also Aesthetically speaking, it's for the feminine gaze in particular to engage women in this car stuff, get them more interested, get them just to learn more about it just for fun so that they can be as feminine as they want, wear heels to a meeting, wear pink to a meeting, whatever, and be taken just as seriously as anybody else by default. Right. I find it interesting that you had to consider this idea of why can I not be taken seriously in specific industries if I am wearing pink or if I'm wearing flowers? And that was a very intentional thought on your part, right? When you decided there's clearly something not quite right here. These industries that we're a part of, whether it's the automotive industry or STEM, need, need to be welcoming 
no one should feel like because I'm wearing, you know, big polka dots or flowers that I couldn't walk into a car show or a mechanic and be taken seriously. Was there a moment during the COVID, you know, pandemic, I think we all had those moments where we're really thinking a lot about sort of having these introspective moments. I mean, do you recall like any specific incident, you know, in your experience where you're like, wow, okay, why, why do I have to compensate so much to be part of part of this? And then related to that, how do you think this company that you've started, right, that's trying to match, you know, match both of those industries, how, how do you think that's going to help? Like, I'm very outspoken. I'm very, you know, I love talking to people. I'm very extroverted. Like, I don't, I feel like I'm just very nice to most people, right? And I feel like sometimes in the car world, like, you kind of have to be this, like, tough, tough girl, right? Like, who's, like, the the car guy kind of girl who, like, knows everything and blah, blah, blah. Like, she's she's so edgy, right? Like, you don't have to be this, like, archetype. You know what I mean? Like, you can be whatever the heck you want. And so that is why I wanted to start this whole media company, right, is to really give women the confidence and really just drive home that message for everybody that who you are by yourself is enough. You don't need some sort of like name or school or certification or what have you in order to be taken seriously, right? Well, that, that you belong. That you belong. Yeah. But despite what you may see in other images of other media you do belong in and your authentic self. Yeah, exactly. Do you and has and and answer this honestly and how has or has JPL helped you develop that confidence, that belonging and so that, you know, as you're sitting in the pandemic, you're like, what else? I mean, have you felt empowered? Because you alluded to it. You're like, I had you know, this and this is what I've learned. And, you know, and you alluded to the confidence that you're like, I'm going to do this. You know, I think this goes back to I had sort of a transition when I turned 25 of kind of realizing how much I depended on external validation rather than finding that within yourself. And you as your own should be more you you are more than enough. So, Emma, thank you for joining us today. One sentence, last word of advice to our listeners about pursuing a career at JPL. For pursuing a career at JPL specifically, don't overthink it. Just go for it. And if you don't get it on the first try, now you're in the room with all the right people. So start asking questions and then try again. I think that's where a lot of people kind of fall off is people say, oh, yeah, I didn't get it the first try or even the second try. Like, I guess this isn't a good idea and like I should go. No. In fact, all that means is you need to keep asking questions and just keep working on this until you hear a yes. Because eventually if you keep working on it, you will hear yes. So that's my take on that. <laughs> and that probably applies to a lot of things in life, right? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you again, Emma. And thank you to our listeners, because without you, none of this would be possible. So please be sure to subscribe on wherever you listen to podcasts. We put out a new episode of the season each week. And be sure to follow us on social media at NASA JPL Careers. And don't be afraid to apply to join our great space team and fellow car enthusiasts at jpl.jobs. Talk to you next time.